any any longer. I'll, I'll just jump right uh, right into it. I told you last week uh, at the uh, the end of Johnny's sermon, and then I threw it out there also in a video this this uh, this week. That this morning I was going to give you some insight from Scripture about when Jesus is coming back. So as a church, we we debate it, we we try to interpret the signs and uh, try to figure out when Jesus is returning. Uh, and now with everything that's happening with coronavirus and that pandemic, it certainly brings it to the front burner of our consciousness. Uh, when's Jesus coming back? Could, could everything that's happening now uh, be a sign of the beginning of the end? So, so today let me answer that question. Now, now be ready for it. So if you have your bulletin, those of you that are here, you've got the insert and I've got a little place there at the top where you can just fill that answer in that way you've got it and you don't forget it that way you know for sure what the right and correct answer is uh if you're you're watching at home you might want to write this down now now be ready are you, are you ready i'm going to tell you when jesus is coming back those of you that have cell phones i left mine over there take them out get ready to to type this in send it to your family and friends everyone that you want to know uh to, to have them have the same knowledge when jesus come back get ready to send that because i'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you when Jesus is coming back. This is exciting. It's earth-shaking. It's a revelation. Jesus is coming back when God decides to send him. Hit send. (laughs) Jesus is coming back when God decides the moment is right. Jesus is coming back when God decides to tell his son Jesus, son, it's time. Uh, Jesus is coming back when everything that he has planned, everything that he's got figured out, everything he wants to accomplish is done. Jesus is coming back. The one thing that we we really can't debate, we can't disagree on, we can't try to interpret into several different options is this. Jesus is coming back when God decides to send him. Now, I'm sorry if you somehow mistakenly thought I was going to give you an exact time. I'm pretty sure most of you realized that I wasn't. But but if you thought I was going to say, hey, get ready, Jesus is coming back next Thursday at 2 o'clock. Or, or I was going uh, to say, Jesus is going to come back a year from today. Be ready. You've got a year to prepare. If you thought that was going to happen, uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm disappointing you this morning. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. If you don't know Jesus, then, then the fact that Jesus is coming back should scare you. If, if you're not covered by his blood, if you've not been born again, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if, if you've not committed your life to him, confessed him publicly, and been baptized, if you don't know Jesus as the Lord of your life, then, then this reality should scare you to death. So please let it scare you if you don't know him. Because Jesus is coming back when God decides to send me but but the opposite of that is true if if we do know jesus then it gives us hope it gives us assurance it gives us comfort because jesus is going to come back when god decides to to send him one thing that has always been true it was it was true from the time that god breathed life into adam and eve it was true when jesus drew his first breath in the, the manger, it was true when he took his last breath at the cross. It was true when God brought him back to life and when Jesus ascended into heaven that God was going to send him back when he decided to send him. Let me share 
with you this morning what I think is the most important theological point of emphasis that you should have. This, this should, this should dominate your theology when it comes to end times, uh, Jesus' return. The second coming is simply this. Jesus is coming back when God decides. I, I, I think though Jesus, knowing our nature, knowing that we would would probably want some indication of when it might be, knowing that that we would look forward to his return since we we read about it in scripture and, and since it gave us gives us hope, knowing that that we would be familiar with that promise and that hope. I think Jesus speaks to our natural curiosity and uh, about his return. So this morning let's let's look at what Jesus says about his return. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. If you're here in church, you don't have a Bible, grab one. In fact, I'd encourage you to grab one out of your pew back because I want you reading along. We're going to look at some, some cool verses here this morning, and I want to be sure that you're following along with those. Matthew chapter 24. Let's read uh, a few of the verses there. Matthew 24, start with verse 36. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son. Let, let me let me repeat that just so we get to that. Just so we don't misunderstand that. But about the day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. For the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, married and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill, one will be taken, the other left. Therefore, remember we talked about therefore. Therefore points us back and points us forward. Therefore, keep watch, because you don't know on what day your father or your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. You may not have realized it, but all the theology that you need to know, all the information that you need to have, all the teaching that Jesus thought was important concerning his return was found in these verses. So this morning, and we'll, we'll finish this idea next week, we're going to look at three things. We'll actually just look at one of them today, and we'll look at the other two next Sunday. Uh, all, all of them important, valuable points. We're going to look at, 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 at three things that, that, that Jesus wants us to know uh, about his second coming. Now, now let, me just, let me just toss this out. If you hold a theology that is different than mine, if you... Yeah, and it'll, it'll be somewhat apparent, maybe, uh, if not this Sunday, next Sunday, where I stand on some things. And, and if your theology is different than mine, then it's okay. If you have a view and, and you're passionate about that view and you're just sure you are right, I'm okay with it. I'm all right if I'm wrong. But honestly, I don't think it makes a difference. But, 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 but I'm okay with whatever, you, whatever view you have this morning. So, so today, let's look at scripture and let's see what Jesus said. And so today and next Sunday, we'll see what Jesus said. We'll see what a couple angels said. And then finally, we're going to see what the apostle Paul said. So here's the first thing, what, what we know. So when it comes to, 
comes to the second coming, maybe that's a good place for us to start. Let's start with that idea. What, what do we know? What do, what do we know? It's interesting to note that just, just like us, just like us, the, the, the Christians in the early church, as well as the apostles who, who actually heard the, the information from Jesus. So just like us, the early Christians, uh, the Christians in the early church and the apostles during Jesus' time were confused. See, there was confusion about, about when Jesus would come back. See, see, the reality is the apostles wanted to know. And, and they wanted to know two things. They wanted to know when it was going to happen, and they wanted to know what the signs would be. When it, when's it going to happen, and what's the sign? That sounds a lot like us, don't we? When it comes to the second coming, isn't that really what, what drives us? We want to know when. Man, if I, could, if I could know when, that would be really cool. And if I could know how to interpret and figure out so that I would know when, that would be great. Now, there are two Two major sections of Scripture in the New Testament that deal with telling us and answering those questions. One of them is here in Matthew chapter 24. I already read from that. We'll look at some other verses there. Look at it more next week. Matthew 24. Also in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and, and bleeding into chapter 5. So, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and mark Matthew 24, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And then I'm going to add, it, it doesn't say a lot, but it's, it's powerful and important what it says, Acts chapter 1. So so hold those three places open uh, and look at them today, and we'll look at them next week. Matthew 24, 1 Thessalonians 4, and Acts chapter 1. Here's a problem, though. The problem with the, the, the apostles uh, and, and their confusion was they didn't really even know what question they were asking. If, if you have your Bibles there in Matthew 24, uh, go back to the start of the chapter. Let's, let's go there. Matthew chapter 24. Let's go to verse 1. It says, Jesus, now now just let me give you a little background. This is during the last week of Jesus' life. Just, just a, a, a hours away, Jesus is going to be, gonna be uh, uh, betrayed. He's going to go to the cross and three days later resurrected. So last week of Jesus' life uh, is when this takes place. It says, Jesus left the temple and walk, was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call attention to call his attention to the building. So let me let me kind of let me kind of point out what was going on. They were walking out of Jerusalem. They had walked out of Jerusalem and down into the Kidron Valley, and out of the Kidron Valley back up to the other side, which would have been the Mount of Olives, and uh, which which sits above the the city. So we don't know when they said this. Was it as soon as they walked out of the city? Was it down in the Kidron Valley? I, I tend to think they were over. Uh, on the Mount of Olives, on the other side, they were up above the city looking down on the temple. And my guess is it was late in the afternoon and the sun was setting to the west. And the, the I don't know, maybe the sun rays were hitting just right. And and as those rays hit the temple, it was just mag, it was just an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable moment. It was a beautiful setting. It was a magnificent view as they saw the, the sun come down you, you guys were in, in Israel not too long ago maybe, maybe you saw the, the the Jerusalem in the evening and thought, oh wow that's cool that th- they were walking out and they they looked back and they saw the temple and they they tapped Jesus on the shoulder they hollered Jesus said Jesus hey turn and look isn't that cool now notice what Jesus says you see all these things and I, I assume he probably probably just did this as he as he 
panoramed over the temple. Do you see all these things? Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. Now, uh, let, let me, let it suffice to say, let me just point out, they were shocked. I, I know they were shocked because they didn't say anything right then. And we, we know at least Peter would have piped up and said something. Because look at verse 3. As they were sitting on the Mount of Olives, so it was a little bit later, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said. Now catch this. When will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Let me put it into context. Let me put it into context. Let's, let's say the church service is over this morning, and, and as you're walking out of the church, ben, ben walks out and he says, Tim, hey, it was great service today. Uh, man, that last song was wonderful. That's what Ben's going to say when I walk out. That last song, man, that just knocked it out of the park. Your sermon was okay, but that last song. And, and he walks out and he said, man, it was great being back in, in church today. And, and then I said to Ben, hey, Ben, but let me tell you something. It's not going to be long, and this building is going to be gone. There's not going to be a stone left on top of the other. Now, these really aren't stones around here. It's kind of fake stone, but, but they're all going to be gone. Every, every two before is going to be laid asunder. I imagine Ben would call uh, a couple of the elders and say, I think we need to have a meeting. Uh, Tim's losing it. But, but understand, and that doesn't, even, that doesn't even begin to hint at what their thinking would have been when Jesus said, this temple is going to be destroyed. See, see, they thought that Jesus was going to set up an earthly kingdom on earth. We, we've talked about that a lot here in the last couple of years. They thought Jesus was going to come and set up a throne and was going to have an earthly kingdom. In fact, in fact, we've talked about it. I, I preached on it twice in the last two years. Uh, in Mark chapter 10, James and John came up to Jesus, and, and, and Mark 10 happened just a couple days before Matthew 24. They were on their way to Jerusalem for the last week of Jesus' life, and they said, Jesus, when you come into your glory, can we one sit at your right, one that when we when we when you come into your glory, well, what did they mean by that? Well, Jesus, when you when you have your kingdom, when you set up your throne, that's really what they were asking. Jesus, when you set your throne up, we want to sit one at uh, at the right, one at the left. And and where do you think? I'm gonna let someone answer that here this morning. Where, where do you think they thought Jesus was going to set that throne. Anyone? Jerusalem. That's right, but a little, little closer. A little fine, fine-tune that just a little bit. Temple. Right. They, they thought Jesus was going to set that kingdom up here on earth. We had three answers the first service. On earth, Jerusalem. I think It doesn't say that, but I think they thought Jesus was going to, was going to set up his throne and, and where was that throne room going to be? It was going to be in the temple. And so James and John said, hey, I want one on the right, one on the left. And, and now Jesus just said, see that temple where they thought the throne was going to be and Jesus' kingdom was going to be centered? That, that temple is going to be destroyed. Can, can you imagine their shock? And it caused them to ask questions. And here was the first question. When's it going to happen? But, the, what, but what they were asking was, when's the temple going to be destroyed? And, and then they said, said what's going to be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Now, the truth is that part of the, the question 
they didn't even really know what question they were, were asking. Now, now, I want you to catch this. In the context of Matthew chapter 24, uh, in the context of Matthew 24, the questions they were asking, the question they were asking was not this. They were not asking, Jesus, when are you coming back? Did you hear that? The, they weren't asking, Jesus, when is your second coming? And what's going to be the sign of that second coming? That is, that's not the question. That, second coming, they didn't even know Jesus was going anywhere to come back from. So how could they be asking about the second coming? They were specifically asking about the destruction of Jerusalem. And in a confused way, when they said, you're coming and the, the end of the age, it was about how setting a kingdom up. See, see they misunderstood. They didn't realize that, that Jesus' kingdom was going to be in men's heart. They, they, Jesus had tried to get them to understand that, but, but Jesus was going to come and set up a kingdom in people's heart. And, and yeah, someday, at the end of, of, of time, he's going to set up an earthly kingdom in, on the new heaven and the new earth. But, but they were specifically asking this question. When's the, the temple going to be destroyed? History tells us that Jesus' prediction came true. About 37 years later, in the year 70 A.D., the Romans, led by Titus, lay siege on Jerusalem. History tells us that it was a terrible time, that you, you did not want to be caught in the city. In fact, Jesus addresses that as he goes further into Matthew 24, the first 35 verses. Uh, you did not want to be caught in the city. You, he said, flee to the hillsides because it is going to be terrible when, when Rome lays siege on Jerusalem. And, and just like Jesus said, the temple was destroyed. Not one stone was left on another. So, so just know, the first 35 verses, or roughly the first 35 verses of Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. But then, then in verse 36, Jesus uh, transitions and answers a question, <laughs> quite honestly, a question they didn't, they didn't ask. They didn't even know to ask the question. They had no idea Jesus was going anywhere. But Jesus answered a question about when he would come back. Uh, now, now I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to disappoint you a little bit. We're going to look more about those verses uh, next Sunday. So, so there was confusion. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't even really know what question to ask. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn over to Acts chapter 1? Turn over to Acts chapter 1. Let's look at some verses there. Now, now here's the difference. Uh, we find them confused again, but but there's something just a little bit, a tad bit different here. Because now in Acts chapter 1, this is after the cross. This is after the resurrection. They had seen Jesus crucified. They had seen him come back to life miraculously. And they, they still, still didn't know what was going on. But man, it was exciting. And we look in Acts chapter 1, and we see them, uh, we, we see them confused, and we see them still asking questions. And again, they ask a question. Uh, that they don't quite understand. So Acts, uh, Acts chapter 1, uh, starting with verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my, my Father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. Jesus had talked about that in, in the Gospel of John, uh, the, the last few chapters. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, 
Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? It shows their confusion and their question. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father, that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Their question was this. Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? What, what they really were asking was, Jesus, are you going to set up that throne that we were talking about? And, and probably they were thinking, are you going to set that throne up uh, in the temple? Now, we know you said that, that it was going to be destroyed, but maybe you were talking about something else. Maybe you're being figurative. Are, are you going to set up your throne and, and in the temple? And again, Jesus answers a question that they didn't really understand they were asking. See, what they really were saying without knowing it was, Jesus, when are you coming back? When will you establish your throne in Jerusalem and rule forever? And did you catch what Jesus said? Did you catch what Jesus said? It's not for you to know the times or dates. The Father is set by his own authority. But... Let me, let me say this right now, kind of the second time, but I just feel like I need to mention it. I, I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to discourage anyone. If, if you find great encouragement or, or, or you're driven by, by certain theologies, that's fine. I don't want to discourage you, and I certainly don't want to let anyone down. I feel I probably will this morning, but I don't want to let anyone down. But can I suggest, can I suggest this idea? Don't you think if Jesus... If Jesus had been as concerned about being able to pinpoint his second coming as we are, if Jesus had been as passionate about figuring out when it was going to happen as we are, if Jesus had been as singly focused on signs and seasons as we are, don't you think he would have interjected it here right as he was leaving earth don't you think he would have given a message? Don't you think he would have added some solid teaching? Don't you think he would have at least thrown a tidbit or a hint about how to predict his return? But instead, this is all he says. Instead, he says, you will be my witnesses. He says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, uh, uh, which the city in all of Judea, which is kind of county or state, Samaria, which was the next state over, and, and to the ends of the world. And, and in a, a parallel verse uh, in, in Ma- uh, Matthew chapter 28, we know that it's the Great Commission. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'll be with you uh, to, to the end of times. So, so right as Jesus was getting ready to ascend into heaven, he says, you'll be my witnesses. So at this key pivotal point Jesus gives them nothing Jesus gives them nothing about when he would be coming back so here's what we know there was confusion the 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 apostles were confused more than once about what's going to happen when's it going to be they they were they were confused they they weren't even really sure what question to ask uh uh but but they didn't know so so what do we know there there's confusion from the apostles but 
But the early church was confused as well. See, the early church wanted to know about Jesus' second coming. Let's move ahead 20 years. It's the year 50 or 51 A.D. The church is growing. The church has spread uh, literally as, as, as Jesus had told them to do. It had spread from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the world. In part, it had spread because at the day of Pentecost, Jesus or uh, Paul... Peter and the disciples had preached about Jesus, and there were people there that from all over the world, so they took their new faith with them when they went home, so the the gospel spread. It spread, we know, in part, uh, the book of Acts tells us, because there was persecution. We talked about this a while back, that that Paul, who was then named Saul, began to persecute the church. People fled, and when they fled, they took their faith with them, so we know the church spread. We also know it spread because Paul went on missionary journeys. So, So we find Paul on his second missionary journey, and his travels take him to an important coastal city in Macedonia called Thessalonica, which is modern-day Greece. So in Acts chapter 17, we see that story. He arrives in Thessalonica, and he begins to preach, and immediately there were converts. Some, Some Jews were converted, then some Greeks were converted, and then it says there were some prominent women in the city were converted, and the church begins to blow up, begins to just grow with with great excitement. And, and like it always happened, people got upset. Like it always happened, they got discouraged and upset, and some Jews, uh, Jews got agitated, they got jealous, and they, they made a big deal. They got the city in turmoil, and Paul had to flee for his life. So, so sometime later, Paul sends Timothy back to Thessalonica. He sends Timothy to check on the church to see how things are going. So, so Timothy returns with the report, and he says the church at Thessalonica is doing great. It's growing. In fact, it is, it is so great that, that all the churches in Macedonia and in Achaia and even all over the world see the church at Thessalonica as a model of how to be a church. So the church is doing great, except there was a problem. There was some confusion. Uh, Shane Wood, a professor at Ozark Christian College, points out that they were confused about Jesus' second coming and how it dealt with believers that had already died. See, see, somehow they, they knew that Jesus was coming back and somehow they'd got it in their mind that if you died before Jesus came back, if, if you died of natural causes or if you were martyred for the faith and there were Christians in the church at Thessalonica that were being persecuted, that died martyr's death, that they somehow got it in their mind that if you died before Jesus' second coming, that you somehow were going to miss out, that you somehow weren't going to make it to heaven. You were going to miss out on this wonderful opportunity. So in part, Paul writes the book of 1 Thessalonians and here in chapters 4 and 5 to clear up that confusion. Interestingly enough, he writes 2 Thessalonians to, to clear up more confusion that they had about the second coming, but we won't, we won't talk about that. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let me, let me start reading with verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting verse 13. I'd encourage you to read that and read on through chapter 5 this week just to get an idea of what all he says there. He says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. So, so he's saying, hey, we don't want you to think they're going to miss out. We don't want you confused and, and upset that they're somehow going to miss out. We, we don't want you to grieve like people who don't have hope. You've got hope. They've got hope. 
For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep with him. Paul's clearing up their misunderstanding. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven, I catch this, with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive. Now, we know it wasn't any of them because they've all gone and, uh, uh, to be with the Lord. But, but those who are left, who are still alive, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, therefore, remember, therefore always points back, therefore encourage one another with these words. So Paul writes in part 1 Corinthians Thessalonians to clear up this confusion uh, about those who had died before the second coming. He says, encourage one another. So, so whether, whether you've already died or whether you're alive when Jesus comes, he says, that should be encouraging that Jesus is coming back. Man, that should encourage you. We'll look more about that next week. Now, what, what do we know? This is what we know. There's confusion. The apostles were confused. The, in fact, the apostles were confused about what they were confused about. The apostles were confused. The early church was confused. And church, let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. We're confused too. When's he coming back? What are the signs going to be? And, and, and probably more pertinent for today is, is this COVID-19 pandemic, is, is that the beginning of the end? Is the secret, secret rapture imminent? Is a period of tribulation just around the corner? And, and I know some people are getting worked up. Is the COVID vaccine, is that somehow going to be the sign of the beast? Are they going to put a tracker in there? And probably somewhere on there it's going to say 666. I know some people think it's, but, but we're, we're all confused. But church, listen up. Please hear this. Where we should land, where, where we should live, where we should find our hope and our encouragement and our direction is not in what we don't know. Did you hear that? We, sh- we shouldn't be living for Christ and, and, and working through this journey worrying about what we don't know. Instead, where we should find ourselves is in what we do know. See, see we shouldn't live in confusion. So, so I've got some good news. Let me point out one other thing that we know. From Scripture, there is certainty. There is certainty. Certainty is a rock. Certainty. Certainty is unmoving. It is a place to stand. Church, we may have confusion, and, and, and that's all right, but, but if we stand on this rock of certainty, we don't have to worry about anything else. The, that's all we need to know is that we can stand on certainty. And, and here's what that certainty is. Jesus, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Now, now, if you have a Bible, go, go back to Acts chapter 1. Let's, let's look at, uh, at a couple more verses there, and then we'll, we'll wrap up here this morning. Acts chapter 1, look at verse 9. After he said this, so, uh, so Jesus had just said, hey, I'm, uh, uh, you're, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea. We don't, we don't know if Jesus said that, and then what 
what, what they talk about next happened then, or, or as he started to ascend, uh, Jesus was talking as he started to go up. But after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So, so catch this. Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses, go and make disciples, baptize, said this, and he begins to levitate, he begins to float up. Now, they'd seen Jesus do some pretty cool stuff. They'd seen him walk on water, they'd seen him touch, uh, talk to dead men and come back to life, they'd, they'd seen him touch blind men and they have, life, uh, the, they have their sight, they'd seen some pretty cool stuff. But Jesus begins to float up, and he keeps going and going till he gets so high that he goes and disappears into a cloud. And I imagine, I imagine it was probably funny to look. You got, you got 11 apostles standing there looking up like that. It's like when, you, uh, when, when your kid has a balloon, or maybe you purposely do this, some type of balloon launch, you let a, a helium balloon go, and it goes up. You, you don't let it go and just walk away. You, you watch. And you watch, and it, you, you watch till you can't see it anymore. Or maybe this 4th of July, you'll light one of those lantern things, you light a little candle, and the hot air makes it rise and just goes and goes and goes, and you watch it till you can't see it anymore. And that's what was happening. These, these apostles, the 11, were sitting there watching it go up. And I, I imagine Peter doesn't say this, but I imagine Peter said, oh, I see him again. And, and then John says, no, Peter, that's a bird. That wasn't Jesus. And they're standing there, and finally one of them looks down. One of the 11 looked down, and, and there were two guys standing there. Scripture says they were dressed in white. Uh, either they had just a really cool fashion sense, or they were angels. I, I tend to think they were angels or messengers from God. But, uh, but two guys ended up there. So look at verse 10. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going, as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go to heaven. At that moment, at that moment it clicked. I, I think finally, suddenly, everything Jesus had been saying, all of Jesus' teaching clicked. It, it finally hit kingdom. Oh, he's not talking about a throne. He's talking about the kingdom in our heart, that God lives in our heart. I think it all suddenly clicked. They suddenly understand. And, and it all made sense, and they asked this question. Did, did you see it? Did, did, if you had your Bibles open, if you don't, grab, grab Acts chapter 1, 9 to 11 again. Did you see the questions that they asked? Did you see it there in Acts chapter 1, 9 to 11? Did you see the questions that they asked? They said, when will it be and what's going to be the sign? Some of you are looking. It's not there, is it? It's not there. They, they didn't ask questions so so get this jesus jesus had just floated to heaven a couple angels appeared to tell them that he's coming back and they didn't ask any questions now now i'm convinced they they got it they it, it finally clicked with them because of verse 12. Because verse 12 says, instead of asking questions, they went back to Jerusalem. So verse 12 says they did what Jesus had 
told them to do. So in ask, instead of asking when or how, I simply did what Jesus asked. Church, I'm going to leave you with this thought this morning. Now, now we'll finish it up next week with what we don't know. And you might be able to figure out what we don't know because that's what's confused the apostles, confused the early church, and has confused us for, uh, for 2,000 years. We'll talk about what we don't know. And, and more importantly, in church, uh, ho- hopefully this will just hit home next week, we'll talk about what, what, what we do need to know, what we need to do. But will, will you leave with this idea? Will you leave with this thought? Will you stand on the rock of certainty? See, what Jesus wanted them to catch in Matthew 24 when he talked to the apostles, what, what the angels wanted the 11 to get when he talked to them in Acts chapter 1, what Paul wanted the church at Thessalonica, and, and quite honestly us, to know is simply this. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. So do what he's asked us to do. Does does Jesus want us to figure out timetables or does he want us to live in truth? Does he want us looking for signs or to live sinless lives, serving others, seeking sanctification? Does he want us worrying about the fact that it might be the end or does he want us worshiping him and reaching out to others with his love? Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Church, why don't we do what the apostles did? Why don't we do what the ones who saw Jesus go and were told, hey, he's coming back. Why don't we just do what they did? They went and did what Jesus asked them to do. Would you bow with me? Father, we pray this morning that in our searching, in our longing to know answers, that we rest on a rock. Not on, on, uh, on things we don't know, not on confusion, but we rest on certainty. And that's the fact that Jesus is coming back. Father, it's, it's real. It could be imminent. It could be soon. But Father, we know that He's coming back. And, and what You really want us concerned about, what You really want us doing, is living for You. Father, give us uh, clarity this week. Give us uh, uh, Give us passion this week to do what you've asked us to do. To love like Jesus loved. To forgive like Jesus forgave. To offer hope that we can have through Jesus. Father, help us. Help us live in certainty that you are coming back. That your son is coming. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't know when Jesus is coming. It, it might be next Thursday. And it might, it might be a year from today. Maybe I accidentally. Somewhere, sometime, someone's going to accidentally stumble on the day. I don't know. I know Jesus doesn't know. But I know I'm supposed to be doing what he asked me to do. Would we rest on that rock, on that certainty? Would you stand?